tidings of comfort and joy. It's one of the oldest Christmas carols. The first printed edition dates back to 1760. And it became popular in a time in which most Christmas songs were dark and dreary, when frivolous Christmas celebrations were considered inappropriate and irreverent. It's the only Christmas carol found in Charles Dickens' classic novel. When a caroler shows up at the door of Ebenezer Scrooge's office, singing this song of comfort and joy, the bah-humbugging old miser chases him away with a ruler. But, but the bright melody and the hopeful lyrics struck a chord with common folk of the day. And it quickly became one of the most popular Christmas carols, even these hundreds of years later. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. The punctuation is key. If you put the comma after the you, God rest you merry gentlemen, it sounds like happy people are being urged to take a nap. But the comma properly belongs after merry. God rest you merry gentlemen. The old English expression God rest you is better understood as God keep you, which makes it a prayer for people, ladies and gentlemen alike, to be merry, to be joyful. And that makes sense when you look at the next line, let nothing you dismay. Because from what we know of Victorian England, there were plenty of reasons for people to be dismayed. Diseases like smallpox and scarlet fever swept through crowded cities. The growing gap between rich and poor created an underprivileged working class. Coal-burning factories polluted the air, and all of it led to social and political unrest. In other words, it was a time when people sorely needed tidings of comfort and joy. Kind of like our time. Now, we have it a lot better than the working class of Dickens' day. But as we head into the final month of 2020, we've got plenty of reasons to be dismayed. A global pandemic, the likes of which we've never seen. Record levels of unemployment, food lines a mile long, political tension, racial unrest, rising levels of anxiety and depression and, and loneliness. The whole thing has us wondering what Christmas will be like this year. A recent survey reveals that 40% of Americans are not looking forward to the Christmas season. Most Americans say they expect to, to shop less, spend less, travel less, and, and obviously entertain less. I won't belabor the point. You get it. If ever we needed tidings of comfort and joy, it's Christmas 2020. So that's what we've chosen for our Advent theme this year. Other years we focused on peace or love or hope, and much as we need all those things, it feels like we're desperate for comfort and joy. Not one or the other, but both. So each week, we're going to take a familiar line from some of our favorite carols that point us toward comfort and joy. And each week, as we look through the opening chapters of Luke, we're going to meet people who not only found comfort and joy, but also gave comfort and joy. We're going to begin today with a meeting between two remarkable women 
recorded in, in Luke chapter 1. Now, before we jump in, I might point out that there was another carol that was popular in Victorian England called the Boar's Head Carol. It was sung at holiday banquets as the host brought out the main dish and set it on the table. The opening line went, The boar's head I serve, giving praise to the Lord. Warms your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> Nothing says Christmas like a pig on a platter. Well, we obviously thought that comfort and joy made for a better Advent theme. So let's quickly pivot to Luke chapter 1 and learn how we can find and give comfort and joy, even in a difficult time. So the story begins this way in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, just a reminder of the backstory. Zechariah and Elizabeth were an aging, priestly couple who had never had children. But now, miraculously, in their old age, they had conceived a child, a son, who they were told would become great and would be a forerunner of God's Messiah. Now, as amazing as that was, six months later, a, a young woman named Mary, who, who had never had relations with a man and wasn't even married yet, also miraculously conceived and was also going to have a son who would be the very Messiah that Elizabeth's son would point to. Now, th this was shocking and unsettling news for both of them. So as soon as she was able, Mary left her home in Nazareth and made a three-day journey to visit Elizabeth, who was a relative of hers. Now, it's not hard to understand why this visit was so important to these women. As miraculous and wonderful as each of their pregnancies were, it was a lot to take in and raised all kinds of questions. It was going to make their lives very complicated. And it could easily have made their relationship complicated. Elizabeth could have been embarrassed to be expecting a child at her age. She could have been resentful that, that she'd had to wait till she was in her old age to have a child and hear her young relative as a child without even trying. Mary, on the other hand, could have been proud that she had been chosen, or just as easily ashamed to be pregnant out of wedlock. So, so both women had reasons to feel alone and afraid. I mean, who could possibly understand what was happening to them? Who would believe them? What did the future hold for them and for their sons? And yet, this visit turned out to be a source of great comfort and joy for both of them. Now, how did that happen? Well, well let, let's, let's keep reading. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. How important it was for these two women to have each other in this moment. 
I mean, how good it must have felt to, to be understood, to be believed. Elizabeth needed someone who, who wouldn't laugh at her wrinkled skin and her big belly. Mary needed someone older and godly to tell her that, that she wasn't crazy, that what was happening to her was real and good. Now, we're not told it, but, but we picture them throwing their arms around each other, which sounds so nice in this season of social distancing. It's a picture of comfort and joy. I mean, that's what Mary and Elizabeth offered to each other. And that's what we want to offer each other this Christmas. So, so what is comfort anyway? Well, it, it comes from a Latin word, fortis, which means strength. So to comfort someone, the dictionary tells us, is, is, is to give strength, to ease a person's trouble or grief. So when we think of comfort, we might think of, of a warm blanket wrapped around us or, or our favorite comfort food. But comfort is really about presence. It's about someone we love and trust throwing their arms around us and telling us we're not alone, that they're going to be there for us. And we find strength in their presence and we begin to believe that, that we can make it because they're in it with us. And that's what we're feeling desperate for this Christmas because so many of us won't be with the, the people that we love. And the chances are we, we already experienced some of that this Thanksgiving weekend. We had all the traditional fixins of the holiday, turkey and football and naps on the couch. What we missed were the people, the hugs, the laughter, the long conversations around the table, even the arguments. And chances are we'll be missing many of those same people at Christmas as well which means that we're going to have to be even more intentional and more creative about finding ways to be with each other, to, to be with your immediate family or your household, maybe your COVID cohort if you have one, but also to be with your church family. And our goal here at Grace this Christmas is to help us do that, to help us be with each other as families, and as a church family. So, so can I encourage you to, to be intentional and even creative about being present to the people in your household or your circle this season? I mean, no, notice how intentional Mary and Elizabeth were. Mary traveled three days to get there, and we're told later that, that they spent three months together. Now, I know, we've all been cooped up with each other for way more than three months at this point. So we may need some fresh ways to connect with each other at home. Take some walks, bake some cookies, get an Advent wreath, do a puzzle, read to your kids, read to your grandkids on FaceTime, have a Zoom dinner with a friend. It may feel like your kids are tired of you, but it could be they need to be close to you more than ever. And can I encourage you to be intentional about connecting with your church family this season? Not to miss a Sunday service. 
even though we can't be together physically in our usual places uh, on our campuses, we can be together virtually here in this barn. And thanks to the generosity of one of our Grace Chapel families, we're going to make this barn our home for the holidays, a place we can get used to, a place that feels comfortable. It's a beautiful old barn, and we plan to move around in this space from week to week, so you get a, a feeling for the place. We want you to look forward to gathering here every Sunday. And we want you to feel free to bring some friends and family with you. We're designing our Sunday experiences to feel comfortable, even for people who, who might not be used to church. But we're also going to be offering some drive-by events for our campuses uh, on the weekend of December 12th and 13th. It's a chance to actually see some of your campus staff and friends, to, to be present with each other outdoors, and to enjoy some of the comforting sights and sounds of the season. And when we get to Christmas Eve, I don't think the CDC is going to let us be packed cheek to jowl on our campuses like we normally are on Christmas Eve. So we're going to set you up with a Christmas at home kit so you can host a candlelight service in your own home for your family, maybe for a few friends. Think about it this way. Last year, we had 11 Grace Chapel candlelight services across our campuses. This year, we're going to have a thousand candlelight services in homes all across greater Boston. We're going to stage that service right here in this barn, and you can watch it at home anytime beginning December 22nd. We, we just can't be with everyone we'd like to be with this Christmas. And we can't be together as a church in the ways we'd like to be. And, and we're sad about that, and we're even dismayed but we can find comfort and we can give comfort by finding new and creative ways of being together as households and, and as a church. But, but how about joy? What is joy exactly? And how can we find it and give it this Christmas? Well, joy can be defined as an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or, get this, by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So, so joy certainly has an emotional component to it. It's something we feel deep inside ourselves, something that comes out as, as, as laughter or weeping or hands in the air. But it's more than a feeling, isn't it? It's, a, it's an inner sense. It's a conviction that but something good is happening or is going to happen. Did you notice in the definition, it, it's not just possessing what one desires that brings joy, even the prospect of possessing what one desires. Joy, joy is what you feel when you get the job or you make the team or get accepted into that reach school. You haven't actually experienced any of those things yet. You haven't started the job or played a game or moved on to campus. But you know you're going to, and that brings joy, the sense of well-being and expectancy. Did, 
Did you see the joy on the faces of newscasters as they announced the vaccines a week or two ago? I mean, for the first time in a long time, they had good news to announce. Now, the vaccine itself is still months away, but it's coming. And we can see light at the end of the coronavirus tunnel. Well, these two women, Mary and Elizabeth, shared a dream. It wasn't just the dream of having children, though there certainly was that. It, it was a dream for their nation, for their people, that, that they would be delivered from their oppressors, that peace and justice would rule the land, that, that God would keep his promise and come to their rescue. And, and while they each had, had begun to believe it individually, when they saw each other, when Elizabeth felt that baby leap in her womb, when, when Mary heard the older woman's words of assurance, then they knew it was true. It was happening. God was coming to their rescue and had already shown up in their experience. And that brought them joy. Even the baby in Elizabeth's womb was dancing a jig. Now, before we go on with the story, we need to pause for just a moment and acknowledge the Bible's affirmation of life here. I mean, this isn't just a meeting between two expectant mothers. This is a meeting between their two unborn sons, Jesus and John. And, and under the inspiration of the Spirit, these women, and the Gospel writer, a physician named Luke, they, they regard these unborn children as, as persons. You, you can even make a case that, uh, that John was already fulfilling his mission in the womb by pointing to Jesus. Now, uh, we understand the Bible is, is not a scientific textbook. And the question of when life begins is a complex one and deeply personal. But clearly, a passage like this affirms the, the sacredness of life within the womb, and it challenges us to value children before and after they're born. But, but let's come back to our story of these two women bringing each other comfort and joy. And the joy Mary feels in this moment is so deep that she breaks into a song. It's one of four songs we find in Luke's Christmas narratives. And in fact, you could make the case that this is the very first Christmas carol. It's often called the Magnificat. And it begins in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now that Elizabeth has assured her that God is in this, Mary is full of joy that God has chosen to use her and to bless her, even though it's still an uncertain path ahead. But it's not just about what God is doing for her. It's what God is doing for the world. Listen to the rest of her song. 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary is looking forward to the day when justice is done, when the world is put right. That day hasn't come yet, but she believes that it will. She knows that it will because of the child she now carries within her, and that brings her joy. I read recently about something called the Black Joy Project. Just after Thanksgiving, back in 2015, a black artist and writer named Cleaver Cruz woke up one morning with what felt like a, like a ton of bricks on his chest. As he pondered it, he realized what he was feeling was the collective weight of grief over the tragic loss of so many friends and relatives, the pain being carried by the black community. So he decided, for, for, for his own sake and, and for the sake of his community, he needed to post something. So he posted a picture of joy. That day, he posted a simple picture of his mom smiling. And he invited others to post pictures of their own hashtag black joy moments. It got such a response, he decided to post a picture of black joy every day for 30 days. Five years later, he's still at it, traveling the world to chronicle and celebrate black joy. And he's come to believe that joy is an act of resistance that, that, that conquers despair, that, that liberates and empowers people who are feeling oppressed and downtrodden. But Mary's song was an act of resistance, an, an act of defiance, actually. In the face of oppression and uncertainty, she believed that a better day was coming, and she believed it because it had already begun with the child she carried within her. Mary and Elizabeth found comfort and joy that day because they helped each other to believe that, that their Messiah was, was on the way, that in fact, he had already come. And, and that's what we get to do for each other and for the world in this coronavirus Christmas. We get to help each other hear and believe that Christ has come. And because he has come, we know that his kingdom will come too. Someday in all of its fullness, but even today, as we turn to him and believe in him and welcome him into our lives, as, as Mary and Elizabeth welcomed the child's children in their lives, his kingdom can come to our lives, to our homes, our church, our community, our nation, the world. And that brings us joy. Even with all the reasons we have for, for being dismayed these days. And, and when we share that joy with the world, when we help others to hear and believe that Christ has come, it brings them joy too. Listen to the rest of that carol's first verse. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 
Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. So, so let's share that song and the other songs of Christmas. Let's share them with each other and the world this Christmas. I, I, I know there, there are plenty of reasons to be sad and, and disappointed and, and afraid and, and lonely right now. And it's okay to feel those things sometimes. That, that, that's what Blue Christmas is all about. We, we need to feel those things. I don't want to minimize the heartache that, that some might be feeling this season because of COVID, because of injustice, because of everything that's wrong with the world or, or what's happened in your own life. But we have news to share. News that's more promising, more exciting, even than a vaccine. Christ has come. Born of a virgin, a young peasant girl. Born in a barn, or, or something like a barn. Born to raise the sons and daughters of earth, says another one of our Christmas carols. Born to give them second birth. So let's, let's sing these songs as an act of defiance. Let's tell this story to a world that's weary of bad news. Let's find ways to help each other hear and believe that Christ has come. Let's do that in our homes, in our small groups, in our everyday interactions with people. Let's be as intentional about reaching out to each other as Mary was in traveling three days to see Elizabeth. And let's be as present to each other as Elizabeth was when, when she looked Mary in the eye and said, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. It wasn't easy for Mary and Elizabeth to believe what was happening to them and to believe that God was in it. They needed to help each other. And it's not always easy for us to believe with, with the world the way it is. But, but when we remind each other that these things are true, when we are present to and with each other, we help each other hear and believe that Christ has come. So, we find comfort and joy when we help each other hear and believe that Christ has come. We find comfort and joy and we give comfort and joy when we help each other hear and believe that Christ has come. And that's what this Christmas season is going to be all about this year. Now, it, it could be you're having a hard time hearing and believing that news right now. Maybe it's a new message for you and you're still trying to process the truth and goodness of it. And maybe your circumstances make it especially hard to, to believe right now that Christ is really with you. Well, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me in just a moment, asking Christ to come near to you this season. 
And maybe you already believe this good news, but you're, you're wondering what Christmas is going to look like this year. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me too. Asking the Lord to show you where and how and, and with whom you might share this good news. So would you bow your head and pray with me for a minute? Lord, some of us are having a hard time believing all this right now. We're not feeling a lot of comfort and joy. I pray that you might open our hearts just enough to let your light shine into our lives. I pray that you might send people or experiences into our lives that can help us to hear and believe this good news. And Lord, some of us are wondering how we're going to celebrate Christmas this year with all the reasons we have for being dismayed. I pray that you might open our eyes to the people and opportunities around us, that we might hear this news in a fresh way and share it freely with others. And for all of us, Lord, we pray that we might find comfort and joy as we are present to each other in our homes and in these gatherings from week to week through Advent. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if, if, if I or we can help you in any way on your spiritual journey, or if you have a particular need right now that you need help with, please reach out to me, Brian with a Y at grace.org. We'd love to make a connection with you. And if you're looking for more information on any of the Christmas happenings here at Grace, you can find them on our website at grace.org slash Christmas. Well, thanks for being with us today. We're going to send you off with another song of Christmas and then a couple of questions to think and talk about. We'll look forward to seeing you back here at the bar next week. But until then, may you find comfort and joy this week and may you share it freely with the world around you. Grace be with you, friends.